0: You're listening to NapperBroadcasting.com.
1: Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. I was talking to a 20-year-old recently who just started a new job. They talked about liking their job, but told me all the things that were wrong with the company after working there for a week. I suspect that all those things I was told were true. However, I explained that before you criticize you have to understand what goes into starting a company. The very act of taking an idea and transforming it into reality, into a business that works, that employs people, that provides a product or service and continues to function and grow, is a monumental effort. Think about how many of the great companies of the world were started by one or two or three people in a garage or in a spare bedroom. Arthur C. Clarke and later Steve Jobs used to talk about how technology should feel indistinguishable from magic. In a way, so should entrepreneurship. And this is just as true in the nonprofit world and in the world of community. My guests, Brenda and Mark Lormer came to Napa and took an idea, by the way, one others had tried unsuccessfully, and turned it into a world-class film festival that just completed its eighth year. They've now stepped away from that effort. How do you spell burnout? But they have a great history, great stories to tell, and a film festival and a legacy that they pass on to all of us. It is my pleasure to once again welcome Brenda and Mark Lormer to Napa Broadcasting.
0: Thank you so much, Jeff. It's a very warm welcome. We're very grateful to be here. Well, thanks,
1: thank Jeff. It's great great so to be much with for you coming in. There's got <clears> to <throat> be a sense of relief, bittersweet, perhaps. But nonetheless, after eight years of uh, a constant grind of anything, there's got to be a sense that a little bit of a weight has been lifted.
0: Yeah, I I definitely sense um, more peace and a little quiet, a more quiet uh, mind settling in. Um, It's actually been 10 years for us. So when you think about the development process that we went through for 18 months before even launching the inaugural festival in 2011, that added on that year and a half. So it's been 10 years and it it has been a huge challenge full of so many struggling, difficult times and also joyous times. So I definitely say for myself anyway, that after all this uh, hard work that we've put in, I'm proud of where we ended up, where the festival lives and stands today. But I am definitely a little tired, so it's nice to take a break.
1: You have to think of it in terms of term limits, you know. It's like (laughs) two terms, eight years, you put on eight festivals, and, you know, term limited out, time to move on.
2: That's a good point, yeah. And that, although interestingly, in this world, uh, it's it's quite common, and we have some good examples just mm. here in the Bay Area. It's common for. Folks that uh, that start these annual events to still be running them decades later. Um, Now, typically, those folks started their event when they were much younger people, (laughs) and we we think of our good friend Mark Fishkin down in Mill Valley Film Festival. You know, they're into their 40s plus year, and he started the thing, but he was probably late 20s or 30 years old when he started it. And uh, you know, Robert Redford again, same thing with Sundance. Uh, Tom Luddy, based in Berkeley, runs the Telluride Film Festival again, 40 years or so. um, there's, these people are still at the helm of what they're doing, and and one of the reasons that's typically the case is that um, you know these things are really hard to not only get off the ground but to sustain. Yeah. And much like you mentioned, you know, for profit world, right. nonprofit world. I mean, much like in this in the startup world, um, in the for profit world. Um, these things aren't going to happen without someone basically committing their entire life to the effort. Yeah,
0: and that's be, what we did for 10 years. <clears throat> it was every day of and, the year we were working. And
1: yet what's so remarkable, and, and, and there's a way you should look at this, I would argue, as a great asset, that a lot of these things without the passion and the pushing yeah. of that founder, mm-hmm. they wouldn't survive anymore. Right. And certainly it, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with this one. But you created something that is arguably sustainable, that you can t- walk away, take some time, and look at it a year from now, two years from now, and see that you build something that's sustainable.
2: Yeah, that's certainly been the goal. And and Brendan and I both um, put a lot of time and effort in working with our staff uh, to have that be a team that if if anything happened to us, whether we walked away or it got got hit by a bus, right. you know that that they it could go on, that there's a institutionalized set of um, skills and knowledge and experience that can keep this thing going. and uh, and we certainly hope that that will be the case. Now, interestingly, just because as Brenda said, we started this when we were, you know, much older, much I older. Remember. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, more like fifty versus you know thirty. Um, we actually had given ourselves an expiration date of about ten years mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. and we it's, were
0: looking for a sustained, you know, yeah, succession we, plan for the last year and a half. We
2: really, we have been, and so we're, it, we're it. sort of almost right on schedule to. Um, to what we had been thinking and uh, and we are excited to see what happens uh, as the festival moves into its next phase
1: well the other part is that not being facetious about this that you're both young enough to continue to do other things i mean i was joking about turn limits before and i had this conversation many years ago with a very well respected politician. He was a senator at the time, and he wasn't going to run for re-election. And he talked about the fact that there's only so long you can do these things, and then you get a little stale, or you get a little complacent, or you just want to do something else.
0: Yeah, I definitely think we are on track to do something else, and I hope that you know, we can retain some energy and um, get a a second wind in our later in life here so that we can go on and pursue other passion projects. But you know, the festival is, it's in our heart and souls, and that's just never going to go away. And we've done not only the the 10 years here in Napa, eight festivals, but we also had run the Sonoma Valley Film Festival for seven years. So that's 17 festivals that we've done, uh, or it's been in the festival world for 17 years. So I think that it will always remain in us, and I hope that we can contribute to the festival as founders and as people who will attend and be supportive and be open to give advice if ever asked, or you know, just do whatever we can to help it move along, but then take the most the majority of our life energy and push it put it Mm -hmm. to uh, other passion projects that we have basically put off for 10 years so i'm I'm excited to pursue those those other uh those other paths
1: i want to go back a little bit and talk about what it was that got you in the festival world in the beginning not just here in napa but as you say in sonoma what was it about festivals and thinking that that you could bring something to that 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 brought you to that mark
2: well, you know, interesting. There's a couple of threads there. First of all, both Brand and I, but even before we met each other, you know, in our twenties. Uh, We both had a bit of a background in just our personalities of being sort of planners, party throwers, you know, sort of leaders amongst our circles of friends. And we just loved, you know, we loved entertaining. We loved creating good experiences for people. We discovered that when we met each other, uh, working together actually at a company in Palo Alto called Amazing Events, which planned big corporate events. Huge And uh, so we had some... um, Uh, relevant event production background we also discovered we both were very big fans of the movies Uh, but neither of us really spent our careers in the um, in the film industry but this notion of festivals um, there were some very interesting things going on um, back in the '80s, when we were, you know, kind of getting going with that event production work, we were very inspired by things like the Live Aid concerts, mm-hmm. uh, Hands Across amazing. America. These more larger scale and sort of um community building you know good cause those sorts of events and this idea of getting people sort of out of their normal every day and into a different kind of experience you know now there's things like burning man you know of course, going right. For, but right people go they completely go drop out and to t- tune into a whole nother level so we were really kind of uh, inspired by those sorts of things and then when Brendan and i just moved to sonoma in 99 discovering there was a little film festival there struggling and in fact eventually going under after its fourth year we're like oh well this is kind of cool let's uh, first of all let's not let the film festival die right. but um let's give this a shot you know let's rescue this thing and it turned out to be very successful, um, and it just sort of set us on a path. But these these little themes had been, you know, these little seeds had been planted uh, years and in, in a couple a couple decades earlier.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we're business people by trade, and it was spent the decade, uh, the 90s, in Seattle. I was in the high-tech business, and Mark had started a couple, st- he had some startup companies, both in the for-profit and the nonprofit world. and. You know, we took those business skills that we had and the fact that we loved film and we were in a community in Sonoma and we thought, well, we're kind of we're project managers and business people who understand how to run a business, but we have the passion for this nonprofit and we want to bring filmmakers together with the audiences that we well, hold residences who or I should say the residents of Sonoma and people come to visit Sonoma and bring them together. So it was kind of a nice marriage of using our skills in a way, in a very fresh way, by taking over this film festival.
1: And And how how big did Sonoma get?
0: Well, so Sonoma—it's it, st- yeah. it was pretty small, yeah, pretty yeah, small. Yeah. Right. yeah.
1: People and you know,
2: Sonoma, as you know, people are always confused about what you're talking about. Yeah, we're talking a, just the town Sonoma. of Sonoma, and course, county's of course. The county is very city. big, bigger than Napa County, but but this was a festival that was just for the the town, or really Sonoma right. Valley, uh, but around the town of Sonoma, only which the it, people
1: that could fit in the Sebastian. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Yes,
2: and and mm-hmm. in fact, interestingly, it was it was super tiny through its first four years. Uh, it grew exponentially over the seven years that we were running it. But even at its peak um, in 08, when we launched – when the first festival, the first full-scale festival in Napa in 2011 was about twice as big as the biggest right. Sonoma ever got. So Sonoma was small because it was just serving the really the one town. Um, it was perfectly scaled. Yeah for the town, of, so there were six screening venues within walking distance of the square. It was, actually, it was a very nice, very civilized experience versus attempting the quite logistically challenging task <laughs> of operating in all four town. you know, Napa, Yachtel, right. St. Helena, Calistoga here.
1: Talk you know, a little bit about your vision for Napa when you first came here, and you thought about a festival here. It was going to obviously going to be bigger than Sonoma. It was more widespread, as as Mark was talking about. What was your original vision for it? Well, one, I'll, I'll pick up on that. Um,
2: you know, we there was an arts council study um, that was done maybe around o five or o six. And um, two findings came out of that, and people actually reached out to us as a result of these two findings and invited us to come over and uh, give a little talk about what we were doing in Sonoma. One finding was that film, as one of the art forms, was underrepresented in Napa um, Napa County, mm-hmm. uh, compared to other, other, uh, art forms. And secondly, that from a, like an event standpoint or things that go on or things for tourists to do as they visit, um, that there wasn't a single event that took place simultaneously throughout the Valley, right. you know, in all four towns. And so you kind of put those, mash those two things together and you get film festival, right? In a big film festival. Um, so there was the idea of, um, could we take, uh, this? Is, so, folks came and, and invited us to come over and could we take this small single community festival we were doing in Sonoma and implement a version of it on a much larger scale in Napa? Um, and that's, that was, this, the original issue was, could we create for Napa not only a film festival but also kind of a signature event that would really be a big event mm-hmm. on the annual calendar that the residents throughout the valley in all of the towns could enjoy and then visitors you know could pick you know as you know visitors come in and there's some that they swear by calistoga that's where they want to go there's others they want to be in Yountville. you know they want to be eating at the french laundry you know there's others that love all the new stuff happening down here in napa Uh, and of course saint elena as well so it doesn't really matter where you'd go you would get to participate in this festival and so the idea for the valley was a big new event celebrating an art form that had been underrepresented and the idea for the industry, if we're going to be the four thousand and first film festival, you know, we got <laughs> to do something. Right. Is there any way we could add something to the film industry? We know what we were adding to Napa County, but what about the industry? And we actually figured out doing some research, um, There wasn't a festival that was sort of universally acknowledged as officially closing the year in the way that Sundance is acknowledged as officially opening the year. We said, well, why don't we be that? You know, we'll be in November. We'll be two weekends before Thanksgiving when all the big movies come out in the theater. And we'll be that last chance for, um, you know, studios to uh, premiere or or just at least screen uh, in a festival environment with their stars there and with their directors there and with audiences, um, the films that they're positioning for potential awards. Consideration. Um, it was a great mix, and it was—it's just interesting that that wasn't uh, there. Just really was well, nothing out there, gave, and it's resonated. And
0: it gave us the opportunity to handpick and curate a set of independent films, which is really what we were celebrating: is the small, little independent films that really nobody ever gets to see unless they go to a film right. festival. So we get to look at the whole year and pick the best of the best of the best to bring to our audiences, so that nobody has to go to any other festival but the Napa Valley Film Festival, unless so, they want to. Unless they want to. Okay. But it was—it definitely was a vision. It was it was taking but we knew what was so great about Sonoma but was tiny and get, and and really taking up the opportunity that we heard from the, the, the leaders in Napa, what could be done, and blowing that up and saying, I think we can do this. And I think we have the skills to do it. We've got the energy to do it. We have the passion to do it. And we're in love with Napa Valley. I and mean, heck, we got married in Napa Valley. So. And then
1: there was this other little thing, food and wine, right? which was could we you know not certainly a lot that. of food at other festivals, but nothing that had the kind of food and wine component that you brought to the festival.
0: It, yeah, exactly. And and, and I, I believe we did a very good job of integrating the food and the wine into the events, into the culinary demonstrations, into everything that we were doing. And every year, the food and wine integration components got bigger and bigger and bigger and more celebrated. Um, we were lucky that we had the opportunity to leverage the, the Napa Valley brand. I mean, Napa Valley is so well known, we thought, even more so than Sonoma, because people think, actually, when you say you're going to Uh, Napa, you're actually going to Sonoma, but you actually, people get it confused, as you know. So we thought, let's take everything we know and and blow up this vision and see if we can start something that's really magical that people will come to. And again, celebrating what we love, the film and the food and the wine.
1: As you started this undertaking, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced that that maybe you hadn't anticipated, both economic challenges Mm -hmm. and logistical challenges?
0: Well, I'd say starting right off the bat coming to terms with the fact that we were going to be creating a nonprofit versus a for-profit because we we had to we struggled with that back mm-hmm. in the development stages starting in the summer of 2009. And Mark, maybe you can speak to that and why we chose the nonprofit space because that leads to additional challenges like constantly have to fundraise. And I right. think that's the number one challenge we've we've struggled with from day one.
2: Right. Well, yeah, there were two things about the timing of, of getting this thing going. You know, we'd come off of... Uh, producing the film Bottle Shock, mm-hmm. which uh, was a- 08 and then uh, Sundance 08 and then t- took around the country in theaters and supported it through second half of 08 and first half of 09. So June 2009, we're sitting down, uh, we're actually in the courtyard at, at Trevenia, you know, formerly, <laughs> you know, former Trevenia. We're sitting there uh, with Terry Hall from the Ventures and we're talking about, you know, should we really get serious about this film t- Testing
0: our vision on some Yeah, and he's like, like, do
2: it, do it, do it. Uh, but it's the summer of 2009. And it's the depths of the you know the recent recession. Um, we had talked to some folks about investing in doing this in a for-profit model, not because we thought this was going to be a big money maker, no. but because we thought, it, much like you know, people listen, people of restaurants and Broadway right. shows, they're all for-profit. Not you know, hardly any of them make any money. But there's this notion of people want to invest in these things. They get excited about it. They get excited about affiliating. You have investor capital, and then the people behind these things. Actually, do keep complete control, you know, because it's a for-profit, as opposed to a nonprofit model where it's more sort of community, uh, community-based in the ownership model. So anyway, um, we did talk to some folks about it who were very interested in seeing us do this, but people were basically looking at the economic yeah. climate right now, right. you know. No one's gonna be in an investment mindset, but everybody wants you to do this. <laughs> so how do you solve that? You know. So we did in fact um create it as a nonprofit. We and we set about recruiting a bunch of um, founding patrons, we created a founding patron program. but so basically people are making a donation right. by effectively pre purchasing the first year of their experience at the festival and then they just continue doing it because they got addicted to the experience we created for them. And that actually is what helped. We, oh, we helped. With,
0: we yep. hope. <laughs> it was a group
2: of about 90, yeah. we were shooting for 100. Yeah, couldn't we could have done it without. Them. We about 90 founding patrons that helped us get this thing off the ground. Um, and we did launch it at a very large scale. I mean, the only other festival by re- we researched, it's like the only other festival we could think of we could come up with that was launched anywhere near the same scale for its first year was Tribeca after 911 but that had de niro behind it and right. 10 million
1: dollars from american express and uh, so. talk, talk about that not not tribeca but the scale at which you launched because mm-hmm. i think that that really goes to the heart of, of of the undertaking that we're talking about and that i was was alluding to in the introduction that a lot of these festivals really start small. I mean, if you look at all the big ones today, I mean, you were mentioning Sundance before. Sundance not only started small, but was close to bankruptcy at least twice that I'm aware of, and maybe more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, Telluride couldn't have been tinier when it got started. I mean, these were all small undertakings. They grew over time for, for whatever reason. But you started this on a pretty large scale for a film festival.
2: Yeah, we really we really did. And my favorite my favorite little anecdote about this all is you know meeting with the um, you know mayors and and council people uh, of each of the four towns that we were thinking of including. Each one of them would say, "So you know, it'd be really prudent." to just start in our town <laughs> right. and then grow organically to include the whole valley and all four of them and said th- the same that's thing that's not
0: going to work yeah we're like it, it, okay it has to be a, if you build it they will come model because right. we wanted to do something where the whole valley would feel included and that each community would feel like they owned this thing that the festival was for mm-hmm. them so that it was super inclusive we just it just wasn't in our dna to start start it small you and, well, and then you know?
2: and then building on that You know, we could have chosen, for instance, to have one theater venue in each of four towns. But then what would happen is people would come out of the cameo, let's say in St. Helena, And get in their car and try to race down to Napa to go to something at the Opera House or the Uptown, you know, wherever our one venue was. So then we had this idea that we wanted to create these walkable villages in each town, much like our former Sonoma Festival. So we wanted to have at least two venues, if not three, in each of the four towns so that people felt like they could have a whole day in that town we did not want people running up because also we wanted people drinking the wine all day (laughs) long so it got big fast all these considerations build on each other and we've ended up with anywhere between nine and 13 screening venues every year at the festival all
0: pop-ups except for the cameo and
2: and interestingly in laying down that big footprint year one We've actually never gotten bigger than that. Right. It's like we put big footprints in the ground, and then we've just sort of grown audience to fill them in, because that's what's been growing. Every, you know, of course, the audience yeah. has been growing every year.
0: But I think I, back to the challenges, though. I, I think that um, you said something earlier, Jeff, about. The kind of maybe the tenacity you have to have as a founder. And and we put our own money in, too. I mean, we put our money where our mouth is, and we thought we're going to have to work so hard to make this – have to work harder than anybody else to make this work. One of the things – again, we had to have the tenacity to just say we're going to do it, we're going to do whatever it takes. And one of the things that Mark was chartered to do or you took on yourself was going out and finding those founding patrons and finding sponsors and partners and asking people to – support the festival financially and that's a hard thing to do especially in the first few years and i know there were some people in the community thought that we came off too strong because we were asking for help and i think that's just something you have to do as a founder and you have to just know there's going to people people who are going to say no people who don't want to support you and hope that over time that those people who maybe were naysayers or who were uh they were doubting you come around and support you in the end. It's complicated. What what makes
1: it more of a challenge, and you see this in in nonprofit media efforts too, that on the one hand, you're looking for sponsorships, Mm -hmm. corporate sponsorships, big business. And at the other side of it, you're going to individuals and trying to make them involved or as patrons, Mm -hmm. as, as Mark was saying before. And sometimes there's a certain cognitive dissidence that comes up. Well, if you've got Lexus is a sponsor. What do you need me for? Mm-hmm. And and people don't understand the mix. They don't understand the balance, and that's an ongoing problem in these efforts.
2: Yeah, no, that's actually very true. And you know, it's, uh, I'm really glad you brought that up. There's a standard model in the arts world right. that whether it's the symphony or the ballet, or whether it's you know a festival of some kind, not just film, you know, a music festival, you know, a jazz festival, whatever, like Bottle Rock here. They all pretty much have the exact same financial model. Um, about a third of corporate support, you mentioned corporate sponsorship, they have about a third of um, kind of big-ticket, we we'll call what we, we'll call patronage, right. people buying the VIP packages. And then they have a third of kind of general box office, general public. And the last, you know, maybe 10%, though always some miscellaneous merchandise sales or whatever it might be. Uh, but it's a very standard model, and almost everyone follows, you know, with a little plus or minuses, a version of that. And it's even true whether it's for-profit or non-profit. It's about the same mix. Um, and so, interestingly... Um, we approach this with a bias towards having individual support more than anything, uh, because the idea is has always been that. Um, this is sort of passion and vision driven. And at the end of the day, we're supporting filmmakers, right, who are trying to create films outside the system. The question is, is there any audience out there who cares about the stories they're telling? Right. So a big part of the organization's mission is to cultivate an audience. That will enjoy and appreciate the art that these filmmakers are in fact making, and it's a it's an often overlooked piece of of what film festivals are doing. They're actually helping to train audiences to be interested
1: in this kind of great storytelling right I mean part of the problem in doing that in napa and it's all it's so easy to see all this in hindsight. Mm-hmm is that you have half, and and I don't know what, I mean, you guys know what the numbers are, but part of the audience, a big chunk of the audience, are people that are visitors, as you were talking about before, and they don't have a stake in it. So it changes the equation. You know, if you have the the symphony in San Francisco, a large part of the people that are going are people in the community, Mm -hmm. people that live in the city. There's a connection to the community. Here you have a much smaller connection because you've got a lot of your people that are not vested in the community. Well, it's, it's, so it makes it tougher. It makes the model tougher to pull true. off.
0: But it's, I think we actually were lucky that because the residents in, in the valley here immediately embraced the film festival. And our numbers consistently were between 65 and 70 percent locals who attended. So, And I saw we saw the same people coming, and then those people who loved it brought their friends. And, and it was really nice to hear that there were so many locals who were coming over and over. And and seeing 11, 12, 13 movies, and maybe going to the gala and going to a couple parties, and then the patrons doing the VIPs. But the most... the the VIP track. But most people who were locals were doing buying a festival pass or pass plus and just immersing in the film festival. So I do think there was, we were lucky again, that we had so many people connecting authentically with the festival. And that also includes all the partners. We had a small group of corporate sponsors that were from outside of the Valley, like Lexus, God bless Lexus. But we had so many local winery partners and local businesses that participated year after year after year and i look at you know raymond vineyards and jean charles and and dave minor from minor family vineyards what they have contributed to keep the festival supported and alive and it's just uh, it was magnificent to see so much local support over and over and over and i hope that that continues
1: what surprised you the most what was the one thing that you could never have anticipated that happened in all of this
2: Um, Well, it's tricky to come up with one thing, right? Um, But I used to say back in Sonoma that I was always surprised that when we went out into the community and we asked, told people what we needed to pull this thing off, that it was always surprising that more often than not people said yes. You Mm -hmm. know, we were asking a winery to participate. We say, hey, we really need you to host this reception or the... And they'd say yes, right? And in Napa, um, indeed, again, going back to the beginning, like Brenda just references, you know, with these hundreds of partnerships we have. Well, that first 18 months running around the valley, um, you know, not everyone was saying yes. No, of course. it was hard. And, and people right. were people really were licking there their some, wounds. There were I mean, some was, doubts. There were it, some
0: doubts. It doubts, that but it would do it.
2: But, and, and, you know, Jeff, you mentioned even, even at the outset, you mentioned um, other people have tried to, mm-hmm. to launch a film festival for NAPA in the past. There were some people who'd been involved in those efforts, felt burned perhaps, right? So there definitely were some people who wanted to sit on the sidelines and see, but more often than not, What's always been quite gratifying and to some extent surprising is how many people have said yes, yeah. that I want to participate. And then when you ask them, why do you do this over and over? Why do you donate over and over? Mm-hmm. This? Or, you know, you participate, you open your doors, blah, blah, blah. You don't really see any business. Or are you really measuring it? And they said, we don't care. It's just fun to be involved with this. It's a cool event. It's great for the Valley. It feels good. I feel good participating. And hearing that... Is super gratifying
0: well and I think that that response from partners and again I'm so grateful for all of them it keeps us it kept, it kept us going because it was in the hard times you need to know that you need to have some kind of uh, gratification from people who are participating and it was um, very we were very grateful that so many people kept saying yes they also would say to note that there was a brand association that was a positive brand association mm-hmm. for many 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 of the partners and so I hope that it did indeed uh, increase their their sales or at least increase their their visibility in some fresh way that they wouldn't have got wouldn't have received if they hadn't participated did it get
1: easier in subsequent years?
0: Not the fundraising part
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah now interestingly the, that
0: was always the logistics
2: of putting this thing on definitely did. And, and what really helped there was the incredible continuity we had with um, everything from the external partnerships down to the internal team. You know, people that have, mm-hmm. you know, now there are several folks that are still working on this film festival that have been involved since year zero.
0: The operations team the that comes through. back year after year, the 600 volunteers that and come back. And it
2: gets smoother and smoother e- each year. Um, and we definitely saw that. And what's interesting then is as Folks, you know, we sit around and we debrief after each year and say, and we're like, God, we're not as wiped out as we were after those let's first few years. Let's do it again. Years. You know, we're n- and let's get better. We're not needing three months off. You know, we're like the week after the festival. We're like, well, did we just put on a festival? You know, and so what that then ends up spurring on is people start thinking of, well, what new things should we do? You know, let's, right. let's challenge How ourselves. Can we keep things fresh. Let's How freshen can we things up. What's more, and it exciting. was a it was a really interesting source of new ideas that we started to see uh, per, over the last few years. Now, as you know. we've experienced some incredible challenges here. We had the earthquake the one year that wiped out all those hotel rooms. Uh, We had the fires where we thought we wouldn't even have the festival at all, and then we did. I mean, that was probably the most heartfelt moment of the, of, right. of the whole thing was the 2017 film festival it was just an incredible experience. Um, but through it all, we've, we've persevered. And again, it's not just the two of us, you know, it's the hundreds of, of people and businesses that are all um, attracted to what this is and what it can be and have stuck with it. And indeed have, there is a sense of um, it does get a little bit easier each year. But as Brenda said, at the end of the day, you got to pay the bills. And You know, it wants to get bigger every year. Everybody wants to get paid more money every year. Every year you're back to zero (laughs) and you're starting to push that big rock back up, up even bigger hill. So that doesn't get
1: any easier. You also had some venue challenges along the way. You mentioned pop-ups before. There were a lot of—I mean, for all the places that we have here—you had some real venue challenges over the years.
0: Yeah, I would say the biggest challenge has been Calistoga, just because—and uh, our former mayor Chris Canning, um, what a great guy—he's the first to say we—we we here in Calistoga are venue challenged. We really don't have any place for you to create a pop-up. So we scratched our heads, and in 2017 we had to take a break because we—we really did not have a venue. And then for 2018, we thought, no, we got to get back into Calistoga. It's too special of a community. What can we do? So we created a drive-in for last November. And uh, that was a, an operational challenge. But Ben Mahoney, the operations director, he's a genius. He pulled it off with his incredible operations team. And But I'll tell you, those fires broke out again, if you remember, on right. November 10th. And a lot of people didn't show up to the drive-in because the smoke was so bad. So you have those natural disasters or those circumstances you absolutely cannot prepare for or anticipate. Other venues have been... Uh,
2: venues are really tricky yeah, for tricky. events that, you know, Even don't... Even in look. Napa, it was a I mean, you had yeah. the Opera House originally. All the iterations then, of the Opera uh, yeah. House, right? You, you know, you have the... Deal. Like,
0: why did you take out the chairs? I, you
2: know, <laughs> the Cop- Copia, right? right? Was, I mean, it was amazing that we got that place opened up year one. It has been shuttered for three years. The, 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 right. Everything was just as it was when they bolted the door shut. You know, um, but it's been a very interesting... Lincoln Theater's been through all those, you know, iterations... Um, you know, thank God for Kathy Buck at the cameo. You know, she keeps that thing going. And one that's, consistent. It venue. is a right. fabulous, fabulous venue, right, that we have here in Napa Valley. But well,
0: we were lucky to use the Uptown. That the was Uptown's such a, been such amazing. a glorious venue. And even Native Sons, you know, you'd never think that would be so exciting. In St. Helena, people loved the pop up theater at the Native Sons, they loved it at Farmstead, the 80. 80- 80 seats in that little tiny outpost of a building behind the restaurant. So I think we, one of the things that was, was integral of our in our vision was to make sure that each venue really captured the spirit and the personality of the town that it was in, and trying to keep that that unique ooh ah factor alive. That people want to go to the venue, they want to go to Native Sons, and then they want to go to the uptown. Well, that's a good point. It's and really a lot of film each venue is a personality. If,
2: you know, many of the film festivals around the world take place in multiplexes. And that's boring. You know, it's like you boring. could go down to the right. century cinemas, you could do a deal with them and say, "Here's our film festival, you know, we're on eight screens and come on down and see films." But you could be anywhere, right? You right. could and so this is a this is sort of much more interesting the way that we're doing it not only with the personality, venues, but the with the location that they're is in. Is there any, the anything
1: major that you would do differently? Would you do it as a nonprofit if you had it to do mm. over again?
2: Yeah, no, I think not. We, I think doing it for-profit would be the right way to go. If, if we were starting scratch from, from scratch today, um, we'd set it up that way. We'd still do the same programs, and mm-hmm. you know we haven't even talked about you know, all the programs we do in the education community and the students. We'd still do all the same stuff, um, but we'd structure it. We'd structure it differently. The other thing that's interesting is, you know, when we think about all the people we've met, from the film industry over the years. Um, and we had already met a bunch of them you know, before we started through the Sonoma. But again, the timing was tough when we got started here. But if we were starting today, um, we, we would have we have this incredible treasure trove of folks that from outside the valley, but who really know the film industry and the t- television industry, the technology world, um, we'd, have a, we'd create a vehicle to have them much more involved from the very beginning um, that, uh, we really didn't have an opportunity to do that. We certainly did. And we would definitely replicate that, you know, the 18 months that Brenda referenced. Um, we really worked on cultivating this community, the Napa community and getting people bought in, um,
0: instead of being down in Silicon Valley, instead of being in
2: Silicon Valley, instead of being in LA and New York, um, we would, we would make sure we do get all of that in place. Um, and I think it just would have frankly, made things a bit easier, and then maybe also, um, um, you know, sort of thicken up the soup, if you will, right right out of the get-go.
1: Talking in a a broader sense, and you've been involved in in the festival world for a long time, not just NAPA, as we've talked about, but 17 years, I think said earlier. How do you see the festival world changing, given the way the film business is changing? Given Netflix and Hulu and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, everybody Mm -hmm. knows, and that at Sundance this year, you know, Netflix was the big buyer, $10 million here, $13 million there. It's It's all changing. And and these films are available to the public sooner. There's more of an appetite for content, (laughs) i.e. independent films that people are willing to see and and watch at home. How is that going to change the festival world, do you think?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, in, intriguingly, you know, it all rests on, uh, you know, do people still want to get together and have these kinds of experiences? You know, from the from the audience side, um, if if ultimately there is a loss of that interest, festivals are all toast. We don't believe that's going to be the case. You know, we still believe there's a hunger to get out. Now, interestingly, uh, everybody sits around and everyone, not just people that run festivals, but like the people that run the wineries in Napa, and the restaurants. They're all sitting there thinking back Because we talked to everybody. They were all friends. Everyone's trying to figure out how to court the millennial audience. Right. You know, we want they got they all hear about, OK, they got to be people need to be 21 and they need to have enough money to afford Napa Valley hotels, restaurants and wine, right? Well, here in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, there's a lot of those people and they make a lot of money and they can, right? And they come up every weekend and they enjoy coming up to Napa. What we've all learned though, is that these people are not planners. Mm -mm. They're all last minute, spur of the moment, splurge people. Yeah, let's say wake up Saturday morning and they they text all their friends, they were going to Napa, let's go. And they will spare no expense. Problem is, you can't build a festival audience that way. You know, if we want people to come for a five-day immersive experience, you need to plan your hotels, you know, get your passes. You need to do that months in advance. And it is completely... um, out of sync with the way um, uh, 20-somethings operate. So that, I think, is the biggest question for the future. Now, good news is that those folks who are 45 and older are living longer. <laughs> and so it's going be, to be at least 20 or 30 years before we're going to have to really solve that problem. But I do think people want
1: to really look far out. Uh, down the horizon. But by then the millennials will be older and they'll have to plan because they'll need babysitters and
2: it, maybe. I don't know. But if you've never experienced it, right? If you've never experienced the world where you had to actually plan anything, you know how do you develop the skills to do so? I think that's kind of a fun thing to uh, to to wonder about. Well,
0: I think your question's interesting though about the future of festivals in another way, this is a question that we were asking ourselves and our team when we were running the film festival here in Napa. What is going to happen? And I know I had a hallway conversation with uh, the current program director Whitney Haskin, who was working closely for Mark. With Mark, um, she came to the office one day and she said, "Oh my God, the LA Film Festival just closed its doors." No, how could a film festival fail in LA? It's been around for years and years. It was well, well respected. Oh boy, something's happening here. And so. That question is we need to or whoever is running a festival needs to sit down and constantly be asking themselves that. Look at other models. Are there, Is there a, a pop-up venue in the middle of the festival that's uh, a venue where everybody just comes together and they're all experiencing one film silently together or they're, do, they're watching short films on their phones and then talking about it? I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want to believe in my heart that people will always want to get together with others to talk about a movie or something that's interesting to them and talk and get out of their phone, get out of their house, get out of their cars. I want to believe that's still going to be um, a human desire, but I don't know. And I think right. we still have to. All of us need to continue to answer that. Ask yeah. that question. I mean,
1: I, I think there is that human desire. Whether it revolves around film or not is mm-hmm. a question. Right. I mean, the one area that seems to be thriving is concerts. You know, mm-hmm. and, and yep. live performances, and people are coming out for those. In, Music in many will cases. always, and, always, always be successful. But uh, other than that, it's it's tough.
2: Yeah, it is tough. And you know, I'm uh, intriguingly, um, you know, our friends uh, who run the. The Bottle Rock Festival mm-hmm. here, you know, they've they've gone to a three day model, right? From the original four, um, it was it was intriguing talking with them when they would tell us that, you know, it, you, we all know those pets, so they all sell out instantly, right? It's it's jammed to capacity, it's super successful, um, but interestingly, their bread and butter is not trying to get people to immerse in a three day experience which would require the right. hotels they said oh yeah the vast majority of our audience just picks one of the days and comes and so they got all their people who are their friday people and they have all their people their saturday and all the people their sunday people that's not film the film. so different that's right. not what a film festival is about film right. festival is you know three four five week long you know full immersion much like going to burn you don't go off to burning man for one day right <laughs> it's it's a full immersion experience no, so I, we'll I, see where that ends up
0: i would think that the current um you know, the current team leading the Napa Valley Film Festival would be investigating relationships with companies like Netflix and showing a, a premiere or two of a new series, maybe getting into more of the, the episodic material. We actually experimented with that in just this past festival. Yeah, we've dabbled. We've we dabbled with that. I could, see the, I could see year. there being more thought around that showcasing that kind of content, do, different types of discussions, different types of panels. It's going to evolve and I'm really curious how is Sundance going to continue to evolve? You know, how are the prestigious festivals going to be changing their models as content viewing habits change?
1: Right I mean their models I mean are, are twofold. I mean they're festivals and, and people come and enjoy the films. but some of those festivals, Sundance being perhaps the penultimate example, become markets, right which is a whole different. Part of the equation, yeah. and
0: that was never part of our vision, right. To right. become a market, yeah. and that's the
2: whole different – That's the bookend idea. They're right. the start of the year. Uh, the studios go to see the fresh content and they, to buy it up, right? Fill up their pipeline for distribution. We're at the end of the year as more of a showcase as things are coming out the back end, uh, as well as as Brenda said, for people to see the best stuff that they may never see anywhere else. The beauty of the way technology is evolving is almost everything of quality is getting some yep. way for viewers to see them later digitally, right? You're just never gonna have that experience of being in a room with a bunch of people with the creators there, which is what you get at a festival. And of course, doing it in Napa Valley with all that great food and wine. And, you know, and that's an important
1: part of it. Talk a little bit about that. The- The fact that the filmmakers are there, that people get an opportunity to interact.
0: Oh, I think that is the most special component, and it was very rewarding to hear from our audiences when someone would come up to me after a film and say, God, I've never been to a film festival before, and I just saw this magnificent film, and I got to hear the director talk and tell me about how the film was actually made. And then I got to meet the actor, and I got to hear their stories – I don't think people understand how rich of an experience that is until they're there. And then it is an addictive thing because you you just don't want to go to a movie anymore unless you get to hear from the director and the actor. <laughs> yes. That is the most special and unique component. And if film festivals are going to evolve, I hope that the leaders of the festivals, including the Napa Valley Film Festival, remind the audience, this is the most special experience you can have. You'll never get to hear from the creator of this film or this art form if you're just watching a film on your phone or at home by yourself or with a friend. And that story, the stories that are shared, told and shared, um, are what I hear are the most rewarding part for a festival goer. And then you expand upon that, and you get to meet the 300 or so filmmakers at the Napa Valley Film Festival after the film. And then you go to a party, or you bump into them at Carpe Diem or you're walking down the street and you get to pick up the conversation. And it's just this organic new community that forms within the community and relationships form. And I think that's another component of the festival that we were so proud of and that was rewarding to us personally, especially when we were really tired and stressed out. Mm. We got to see these relationships form and hear from filmmakers that they met another filmmaker at the festival, and then they became friends, and now they're making a film together. Or you hear that filmmaker met a patron, or an audience, or anybody from the audience, and they started talking, and now that they're friends, and that filmmaker may be even getting financial support from a patron they met at the festival. We've heard those stories. So that whole human interaction component of festival is the most tangible and rewarding part of what what can happen at something like the Napa Valley Film Festival.
1: It's gonna be interesting to see if it can get any bigger and, and how that can evolve because one of the things that, that becomes clear, I guess it's like everything else, the bigger things, the bigger events survive. Sundance will survive, um, South by Southwest because it's so big and so all encompassing will survive. Big will, will survive, whether the smaller independent efforts can continue an open question. It is an
0: open question. Another challenge we have, which I think all all festivals, film festivals have, unlike music festivals, we couldn't announce the films early on. We don't know the films and the filmmakers who are coming, and we don't know the celebrities that are coming until kind of the last minute. So a lot of people are out there wondering what are they going to see? What kind of pass are they going to buy based on what they're going to get at the Napa Valley Film Festival? And that's a difficult situation um, to get out of. You, you can't, or I should say it's a, a difficult challenge to have year after year if you need to promote your lineup in advance, but you can't do it until September, and then someone from... And by out, then
2: it's too late to get rooms in right. Napa Valley. Yeah, the right? hotels right. are full it's on Friday and Saturday.
0: Issue. So that's a challenge we had. I, I wish the, you know, the current organizers a lot of luck in trying to get through that challenge. How can they get more passes sold early when you can't announce anything. You have to live on your laurels, and you have to live on the past, and you have to promote what was... Well,
1: it seems to me it's two parts of it. It's one, you're living on your laurels. What have you shown in the past, and this has been good, and you take a chance. I mean, look at all the tickets they sell to concerts before they announce who's going to be at it. The other part is that one of the things that's inherent in film festivals, large or small, is getting to see things that you wouldn't ordinarily see, yeah, things that you right. that that are not going to be played Back to training at the audience, the local theater. Yep. Yeah, and there's, a sense and of there's discovery. There's gems that you're going to get to discover. Right. And exactly, that, and
0: that is something that we consistently offer the audiences, and I I know that will continue well, too. You just have to train people that this is what you're going to get as an experience. You're going to get to discover these new films. It doesn't matter that you don't know who's in the movies yet. Just come, and you're going to be richly richly rewarded.
2: Yeah, we've always were very impressed. Uh, studying up on Telluride that the only year they ever announced their program was their first year. And starting year two... They realized, let's take all the pressure off. People came. They had fun. You know, everyone probably smoked a lot of dope. It was a great time. And they didn't need very many people to come, as you said, right? It started very small. So small. So we're not even going to bother announcing the program, you know, and we'll tell everyone the day before. And, you know, 40 years in, that's exactly the day before the festival. You don't
0: even get a program guide until you arrive. And you know what? Their (laughs) passes
2: sell out the day, you know, the day they announce them, their passes I had Telluride Envy. Yeah, we we have some (laughs) Telluride Envy. but (laughs) But that's the benefit frankly, of being in a very remote very small capacity constrained community. You know, they only can handle a few thousand people and the people that are coming, that is the only reason they're coming, right? Here in Napa, you know, as we all know, there could be 50,000 people here on any given day running around wine tasting, and it's very easily accessible. So it's a different type of Well, community.
1: the whole is different because the whole, the inaccessibility of it and the fact that it mm-hmm. does sell out is part of its appeal. That, right. that, you know, you may not get to go.
2: Right,
0: <laughs> yes, so you better buy your Scarcity <laughs> message works. Yeah. And really I liked well. what
2: you said earlier about these things that you know they they develop some longevity, they develop some scale, and then they seem to be it's all it's kind of like the too big to fail right. idea, but it's the positive side of that. And there's a there's a note when you were saying that I was in my head I, this idea of the there being a center of gravity that is very strong and it draws people in to it. You know, it kind of right. sucks things in like a black hole. Um, But that's what ultimately happens. You know, you just get so many partnerships, people are enjoying it, and then you get this cross-pollination between artists and audiences, businesses meet up and develop new joint ventures, and people start feeling like all the different things that are the benefits of this event taking place in this community, and at this time, and doing it year after year after year, and what you have is you have so many people who are bought in and have a vested interest in its continuity that therefore, it's more likely to continue. That's what happens.
1: So, in this next phase of your life, maybe you'll have films at the festival.
2: That could be <laughs> that could be a really neat idea. Yeah, we've got our second film. It's funny, I just penned a little a little entry for my college alumni um, magazine, and I, I wrote a little thing about well, you know, now we're we're getting ready to go into production on our second film, twelve years after we shot Bottle <laughs> Shock. And I said, I sure hope it isn't twelve years till we do our third. Oh, we'd
0: be in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did. We've had this project, dear Zoe, um, for. Yeah, almost twelve years, and we really wanted to make it in the last ten, but the festival really was all-consuming for us, and we did work every day of the year, and and we, you know we loved what we were doing, we're passionate about it, but we just kept pushing the project aside. And this is a really Mark's project because we have we optioned this book, Dear Zoe. A- 12 years ago, and then Mark wrote the screenplay. He adapted the book. So it's his baby, and now we have a chance to actually go down to LA. Next week, actually, we're meeting with our producing partner, who we met at the Napa Valley Film Festival, uh, our director that we hope to sign a contract with, our casting director, and start the process of actually getting this made, and with the goal of shooting in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in either July or August. So it's it would be so so exciting if we could actually get it done and um we then bring the film back. You never know. And then we have other projects that we want to get onto and um you know it's it's it is bittersweet as you said on the onset. Um I'm gonna miss the, the work very much. I loved working with the team that we built. And it's uh, it's definitely ingrained in our in our souls. So it is uh, part of us, and we're happy to be founders, and hope that uh, it continues for a long, long, long time.
1: Indeed, I thank you both for coming in. Mark thank you, you, our Over. pleasure. Thanks so
0: much. Appreciate it.
1: Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com.